Welcome back to the 193rd episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be flipping through some of the top stories, including two that talk about the debate that happened Thursday night between DeSantis and Mr. Newsom, and a final story talking about a new travel ban that's in the works, trying to prevent people coming from China because there's a new illness on the rise there. And of course, we will end today with our daily delight, a story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now, there's enough rambling for me. Let's jump in to our daily debate. So, of the Newsom-DeSantis debate, was it worth the time? I mean, who won? You, know, you throw your comments out there. Love to hear what everybody has to say. If you're of one side or the other, you probably already have a predetermined opinion. If you're someone who doesn't necessarily care, then you probably didn't get anything out of it. Or if you're someone that's always paying attention to the news, most of the stats they threw your way, you were probably like, yeah, I have heard this one before. But was it worth the time? Underlying question, no matter who you thought won, was it worth the time? Was it actually illuminating for you? Because to me, as someone who follows all of this, a few of Newsom's statistics I had not heard before, and most of DeSantis's and the ones that Hannity and Fox News threw up there, I was practically fully aware of. I had heard most of these arguments before. And honestly, even the arguments going back and forth between the guys, even with the new statistics from Newsom, I'm like, okay, I've heard this one before. Yes, we need to have this policy debate, but this is for the normie. This is for someone who is not involved in the process. But I'll make more comments on that as we get through the articles. So our first one comes from Fox News. I mean, they may be a little bit biased on this one considering they hosted it. And the headline reads, Newsom DeSantis debate got heated over COVID tax policies and you did a lot of damage as one of the quotes they pulled from the uh, debate. And to be honest, I was actually very impressed with Fox News on this one. They are a little bit more heavy-handed with DeSantis quotes throughout the article, but they still give Newsom his time of day. They don't say, ah, yes, DeSantis was 100% right on this note. They just point out what he said and on what policy issues they were talking about. So a good even-handed article from Fox News, and that's why I want to start with this one. And the second one we have is a, a pro-Newsom article, and I think there's some merit to what they're saying, and some of their arguments fall flat, so we'll get to that here in a little bit. So... The opening topic was uh, a little bit stupid, in my opinion, but I want to get to the one about taxes. Quote, the Fox News debate between Democratic California Governor Newsom and Republican Florida Governor DeSantis quickly got heated Thursday evening as the two sparred about their perspective track records. Newsom and DeSantis particularly traded jabs over their state's different approaches to tax policy and the handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. He... What has one of the most was well, sorry, this is a quote from the debate, and I should probably say that beforehand. He is one of the most regressive tax rates in the United States and the number three most regressive state in America. Newsom remarked referring to Florida quote. And what that means simply is this. Who does he tax? He taxes low-income workers more than he taxes millionaires and billionaires in the state, or we tax millionaires and billionaires in the state of California. Now, of course, when you hear that, you're like, wait, hold on. You're, you're telling me that more tax revenue is coming from the poorer half of the population than the richer half of the population? No, that is not true. At the end of the day, more tax revenue is coming from those billionaires and millionaires than from the other half or even bottom 25%. The top 1% is paying more 
gross overall than the bottom 50% more than likely in uh, Florida if it tends to be similar to the distribution throughout the rest of the United States. But what he's saying is uh, as a proportion of their income. So let's put it this way. If a rich person is making, let's say, $100 and a poor person is or a person at the bottom of the ladder is making $10 and the tax is $1 for the person who's making $10. And even though, you know, the scales go up a a little bit, it's only $2 for the person that is making $100. Then guess what? That's 10% of the lower class person's income is going towards taxes versus 2% of the richer person's uh, income is going to taxes. So you can see where he's coming from this idea that, oh, well, he's actually, he's taxing the the poor people more as a percentage of their income that's what he's trying to get at and of course there are different tax breaks and there are different loopholes that the rich can take advantage of in all different states across the united states and in the you know federal tax system as well so this holds true on a larger scale because they have the resources to actually uh, find these loopholes and keep some of their money put aside where it's not actually taxed but he's trying to get to a point here which at the end of the day California system has a much different distribution. They are taxing the wealthier people a lot more money because at the end of the day, they want the tax burden to be taken off from them. And like I said, in Florida, yes, the millionaires and billionaires are paying a lot in taxes. They're paying a majority. The amount of money that they are giving to the system is actually going to pay for everything, just like in California. But it's weighted differently in California, where percentage-wise, the person who's at the bottom end of the ladder is going to feel it less than the billionaire and the millionaire when when we're talking about out of their gross income. So that was an interesting part of the debate. And some of the statistics Newsom brought out, I was like, okay, he was at least well armed for this. Now, whether or not, you know, those fallacies 100% hold true and there's not counter arguments, uh, DeSantis didn't really go into that. And that's one thing that I noticed throughout a lot of the debate is DeSantis, instead of going directly into it and facing it with policy prescriptions or saying, no, these are 100% the facts. He did it on a few different occasions on the issues he really, really wanted to talk about. But for the most part, he just said false, kind of like Donald Trump said, wrong, wrong. DeSantis was just saying, uh, fuss, fuss, and he had that weird smile about him, and I know, I'm falling for the narrative, he has a weird smile, but it was, it was it's just so, oh, it's so displeasing when you see it, and after him saying, false, he's wrong, and starting laughing, it's like, no, no, take him on on the merits, if he is false, and obviously you know he's false, you have some data to back up what you're saying, and sometimes he did it, and other times he didn't, and that's where I think he fell flat a little bit during that segment of the debate, so, There were a few different shenanigans from DeSantis, and there are a few different shenanigans from Newsom, so we're going to go into both of them. Quote, how many people live in Florida to go to California because they pay less taxes? I'm not seeing that. Are people going from Florida to New York because they pay less taxes? Of course not, DeSantis responded. They come to Florida because they pay lower taxes. We don't even have an income tax, and yet California has a larger sales tax than we do. Here's the thing. And I'll give it, and I'll give credit to Newsom here. Or sorry, he said Gavin here. Uh, Quote, he did at least admit in his first answer, he's joined at the hip with Biden and Harris, he added. He thinks Biden and Harris have done a great job. He thinks the economy is working because of their politics. 
the California represents the Biden and Harris agenda on steroids. They would love nothing more than to get four more years to be able to make California model national. The this would be disastrous for working people. End quote. And you're probably like, wait, Alex, why why are you calling this shenanigans? Because he is trying to attach Newsom to the Biden Harris administration. And let's be clear, Newsom did the exact same thing. He was trying to attach DeSantis to some of the Trump policies and some of the Trump mistakes, and then also using Trump as a hammer against him because he is a primary candidate and they're going up against one another. But the reason I call this shenanigans is because, yes, you can call out the California model, but by trying to link him to Biden and to Harris, that's exactly what you do in a primary when you're going in and you're trying to keep somebody from being an effective candidate. I know that, you know, he's saying, DeSantis is saying that Newsom is running a shadow campaign, but I'm sorry, those tactics need to be reserved for those sort of primary, or actually at that point it would be a general battle if either of them were on the same stage doing a debate. At this point, go in for the merits of your argument. You say, there's no income tax in Florida. Boom, I love it. There we go. Use this sort of information. Talk about crime overall. Uh, Gavin Newsom did have some good stingers when it came to the actual murder rate in different cities, and DeSantis didn't actually always come back effectively. He was just saying false sometimes, or he was saying, well, look at all overall crime, or look at the fact that people are robbing stores left, right, and center in some of these cities because they can just get away with it and no one's allowed to stop them. So when he came back with those sort of things, great, but when he's trying to link Newsom to the Biden-Harris argument, I get why he's doing that, because people that don't like Biden and Harris are going to associate that with Newsom, and if he's running again, great. But at the end of the day, this is a policy debate. You are talking about Florida policies versus California policies. That's what this is going to come down to. You're both governors of states. Very seldom do we get to see these sort of arguments. So talk about the merits, bring out the statistics. And like you did at that latter part, where you're talking about the California model, not the Biden-Harris model, but the California model failing the people that live there and how it would fail nationally, then you can use that as a leverage point. And I get why he was using Biden-Harris as a stepping stone to say, yeah, California model would not work nationally. But you can do that in other ways. That doesn't necessarily have to be attaching him at the hip. Quite literally is the quote that DeSantis used. You don't have to do it that way. So what are some of Newsom's, Newsom's shenanigans slash stingers? Quote, let's talk about our, your record on COVID. Newsom responded, you passed an emergency declaration before the state of California. Did you close your beaches, your bars, your restaurants? It's facts. You had quarantines, checkpoints all over the state of Florida. You were promising vaccines. You even wore a mask, he added. Quote, he did all that until he decided to fall prey to the fringe of his party. And as a consequence of that, tens of thousands of people lost their lives. And this is the equivalent of 10 9-11s. So why is this Newsom shenanigans? Well, one, because at the beginning... Nobody knew what was going on. We were all afraid. Everybody had a different approach, but for the most part, it was lockdowns. And guess what? Newsom came through with lockdowns, too. So if anything, you could say DeSantis was more effective responding to an emergency. And then he goes on to say, ah, but yeah, you flip-flopped. You can either have it one way or another. Oh, you were really strict at the beginning. You were really locking down. And then you just got way too lenient. So if you're trying to call me out for locking down, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Okay. You can't have it both ways. Either he was 
too strict at the beginning or he was too lenient at the end. Because obviously you admired something about the strictness because you kept your policies in place for much longer. And as DeSantis pointed out multiple times, there's an education loss in many of the states that had long lockdown policies that kept students out of classes. So I feel like this is a little bit of double play. Newsom wants to have it both ways where he can say, ah, you were too crazy at the beginning. You locked down and criticizing me for that. But also then you just let up and let people die. I feel like you're having you know your cake and eating it too. Choose one argument and go with it. And honestly, I think the more effective argument that he could go for is the one that ah, Florida was open too early, that they were not strict enough on COVID, they weren't pushing certain policies, and then people died because of it. Whether or not the raw numbers support California losing more or Florida losing more or being roughly the same per capita, it's still an emotional argument that Newsom could have used rather than trying to flip-flop on it. And I get why he did it, because he's a skillful politician, he's trying to call out multiple things, he's trying to enrage the right, enrage the people that actually like DeSantis in his own state and in the Republican Party while also attacking him from the left. It's actually a pretty brilliant move in trying to get both sides to hate DeSantis, but it just feels so disingenuous when you see it. And I'm pretty sure people are not stupid enough to fall for it. I take that back. I know people aren't stupid enough because they're like, wait, hold on, you said said one thing that is completely antithetical to the other thing you were saying. That sounds like some BS to me. Uh, Newsom may be slick. I don't think he's that slick to get away with it. So that was the different points of view coming from Fox News, giving us different quotes. Now we had a preliminary. Now let's go to the other side of the aisle. This one comes from the Daily Beast. The headline reads, DeSantis campaign may have floundered its final test after the Newsom debate. And I already told you that the perspective they're coming from. So I'm not going to preface this one. I'm just going to jump straight into a quote. It's basically the first paragraph of the article. Quote, the Ron DeSantis campaign underwent its own version of a final exam on Thursday night, and it did not go well for the Florida governor. Billed as the red state versus blue state debate by Fox News moderator Sean Sean Hannity. Sorry, Mr. Hannity. uh, DeSantis was thoroughly trounced at various points by California Governor Newsom, who, unlike DeSantis, is not running for president. By the way, How's that going for you, Ron? Newsom deadpanned at one point, reminding DeSantis he's running more than 40 points behind former President Donald Trump in his home state of Florida. Newsom also uh, often seemed bewildered at just how clumsy the DeSantis performance turned out and took every opportunity to hammer home his tight grips with gripes with the governor. He also went out of his way to defend President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris throughout the nearly two our affair. And, you know, 100% true. He was backing Biden and Harris the entire time. Then again, that was mainly prompted by Sean Hannity saying, hey, do you agree with the Biden administration stuff? Or, you know, DeSantis coming and attacking Biden and Harris. If they didn't take that approach, he probably wouldn't have defended Biden whatsoever. So for those of you out there saying, well, he was out there defending him. Yeah, but he was forced into it because the questions were framed in such a way that he had to at least defend his president. I mean, let's be clear. He didn't have to. But if you're a major party member and you're gunning for the presidency in the next few years, you can't be seen defecting when your other, the current president is running for office again. Uh, You know, whether or not we like it, it's politically expedient. So, of course, he's going to come behind that one. But the thing that they do here, which is very tricky, which is he was thoroughly trounced at various points by 
Governor Gavin Newsom. Yeah, you could say that. At certain points, Gavin really slimed it up. He really looked at the camera. He was spinning fast. But there were other points where DeSantis had really great points, and he was able to nail down Newsom on a few different issues. So to pretend as though it was just a complete and utter trouncing, no. Now, did it to prove, prove that DeSantis is 100% presidential material? I would say he appeared more like 80%. There were some times he was trying to talk over Newsom. You know, like I said, the smile's kind of weird. There was a, It felt like there was a certain lack of confidence at certain points during the debate. But for the most part, he was pretty presidential, or at least he was willing to back his side. He was confident on certain statistics, and he was not backing down, which I would say is pretty presidential. But they're not wrong. At certain points, Newsom did get the best of him. So... Let's talk about some of the other uh, points that were brought up, which I did talk about how DeSantis was trying to talk over Newsom. Newsom did the exact same thing, but I'll tell you now, DeSantis was really aggressive towards the beginning of it, and I kind of got frustrated. I'm like, let him speak, okay? This is not the normal debate with all the other candidates where you have to talk over each other for the mic. You got two people there, and Sean Hannity said, hey, I don't want to be a hall monitor. And whether or not, you know, Hannity obviously was on DeSantis' side. The statistics that they were providing were obviously uh, skewed towards Florida. Now, you could argue, well, Florida's just that good of a state. And on some of those stats, I would agree. There's other ways of doing those stats as well that probably could have been a little bit more neutral. But my point being that there were some times when DeSantis was completely stepping all over Newsom's talking and he's treating it like it's a normal GOP primary debate and he could have eased up a little bit. Quote, both Newsom and Hannity grew weary of DeSantis's con- constant interjections with the California governor telling him to relax while Hannity asserted he wasn't a potted plant and asked DeSantis to let N- Newsom speak on a few occasions. Let each other breathe, a surprisingly Zen version of Hannity said earlier in the debate, to no avail. Beyond the endless crosstalk that ensued, the governors relitigated their handling of the COVID-19 pandemic and spent almost 10 minutes on the difference between progressive income taxes and flat sales tax. They also sparred over their state's respective crime rates and education policies, while DeSantis made ill-informed decisions to hold up an explicit, though censored, photo that purports to be taken from a book his administration helped to ban from school libraries. If Newsom noticed the stunt, he didn't make it known. And that's one reason I wanted to have this quote in here, because they say, ah, yes, DeSantis actually helped ban these books. Yes, I, I guess if you really want to take the the point where, okay, hey, we're going to restrict the content that's allowed in these libraries, that is banning. Guess what? I Though I, this argument does get tired, you could still buy the book anywhere. You could still buy the book and read it to your children. Just like there are certain books in libraries that have to be uh, kept out because of graphic content. Are you letting Fifty Shades of Grey into your libraries? Probably not. Are you letting other little romance sexapade novels into the libraries for middle schoolers and high schoolers? Probably not. There is a limited shelf space, so you should have things that are 100% educational and couldn't be misconstrued as sexual 
uh, in nature and that being the sole purpose of them rather than uh, educating towards a certain means. Now, obviously, the people on the different sides of this debate are going to say, uh, well, it is towards a very specific means. It's about education of uh, healthy sex practices for different groups rather than the uh, normal heterosexual groups. Sure, you could make that argument. But this idea that it's a straight-out book ban, DeSantis refuted that very well. He did do a little bit of over-talking, and yes, he did pull out a uh, photo from one of the books that has been restricted from some of the libraries. And I'll tell you now, it worked with the conservative base. They've seen these photos before. They think they're absolutely disgusting. They don't want to have their kids reading it. So that worked well with his base. And the people on the left who either, you know, the people on the left that don't care about this issue don't know about it, and they're probably going to be persuaded to a more normie position just like the normie conservatives. And the people that are aware of these books, they already know that this is happening. So I feel like that topic didn't necessarily go too far, no matter how much Newsom and DeSantis went back and forth on it. At the end of the day, it's going to be a state's issue. It's not going to be, then again, it could be brought up federally. I'm not trying to say it won't be, but right now it stands within the states. So I feel like that was a pointless segment. I understand, you know, it's blue state versus red state and talking about these big policy changes, but people aren't going to come to a consensus at this at any point. And honestly, it's going to decide on the side of liberty. Hey, let the books be out there. Uh, I don't want them necessarily in my school district, so maybe some parents restrict them. Other parents are totally okay with it. Uh, But any forceful restriction by the government saying, hey, these books won't be allowed or you have to allow these books, either one that infringes upon people's liberty is going to piss them off because this is not, this is a culture war issue. It's not a normie issue at this point. And they're trying, both sides are trying to make it one, the Republicans more than the left. But I just, I felt like it was a wasted segment. We could have talked about uh, maybe how they would handle different relations with other countries when it comes to trade. I know it's a blue state versus red state, so it doesn't actually have to talk about foreign policy and foreign trade agreements and things like that. But it would have been interesting to see what both people's positions were, even though I said, yes, it is a a state-by-state debate earlier, and I was kind of criticizing them for going national. But I would be interested to hear that from them, what their perspectives are, what the blue state perspective would be. Are they having more tech tariffs or not? Are they supporting more local businesses? Are they putting in more protective or protectionist uh, economic policies? Or is it actually Florida that's doing that in order to justify the growing of different industries in their area? I would love to hear that argument. I, I know I'm a little bit of a policy nerd, or at least I like the idea of having these conversations back and forth, and not everybody does. This one's flashy. It gets in the news. I mean, DeSantis literally bought, brought a printout of some of the pages. So yeah, he knew this would be a big moment for him. But I feel like there are more substantive issues that we could have gone on to. Speaking of more substantive issues, we've gone through both perspectives on the debate. Uh, One side, you know, trying to give both sides, but giving a little bit more credit to DeSantis with some of his quotes and the other side saying, hey, does Newsom totally had this one in the bag? That's all good and well, but we're going to get to a more serious topic, which is uh, one that comes from the Daily Wire. GOP senators urge Biden to ban travel from China over, quote, unknown respiratory illness. So the GOP senators actually put together a letter, and I want to get to that one pretty quickly because it outlines everything they're talking about here. And I think there's an f- interesting political motivation behind it, but I'll get that to that here in a little bit. Quote, a group of GOP senators is pushing President Joe Biden to ban travel from China over the appearance of a new respiratory illness. 
A group of five senators sent a letter to the White House on Friday raising alarm about, quote, an unknown respiratory illness spreading throughout the People's Republic of China. The senators, Marco Rubio and Rick Scott of Florida, J.D. Vance of Ohio, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, and Mike Braun of Indiana, said relying on China for accurate information about the disease would be a mistake. Quote, we call on you to immediately restrict travel between the United States and the PRC, People's Republic of China. As you know, the Chinese Communist Party has a long history of lying about public health crises during the COVID-19 pandemic. The CCP's obfuscation of the truth and lack of transparency robbed the United States of vital knowledge about the disease and its origins, the senators wrote. And this is... This is something where I think it's inspired a little bit by fear of what happened last time, but also there's a little bit of political leverage that could be gained here by saying this early, by getting out ahead of it and saying, hey, Biden, shut this down. They're able to put a little bit of extra pressure on him. If a respiratory illness does come the direction of the United States and we have another COVID-like system, they can directly blame Joe Biden and say, hey, we appealed to you early. We told you to put these restrictions in place. We told you the CCP was not trustworthy. And you ignored us because you like China or because you want to keep things open between China. I don't know what the reasoning is, but they can say and use it as a political hammer. Hey, we told you to shut down and you didn't listen. And also, if it doesn't actually come here, if the respiratory illness isn't bad enough that it becomes a COVID-like symptom, they can say, hey, we were just being cautious. We just went through years of COVID. So it's actually a, a brilliant political move where they can squirm either way and probably come out unharmed. And one other way, which is blaming Biden, could actually very well help them going into 2024. And also, think about it this way, uh, if another pandemic does come, it probably is going to help Trump. Because even though Trump you know, had a hard time during COVID and, you know, the artificial lockdown destruction of the economy doesn't help his record. He could also say, hey, Warp Speed, I put in one of the best programs, blah, blah, blah. You know how he loves Warp Speed and things like that. So we'll we'll see interesting the political implications of this. Now, I know it's a little bit heartless of me because people are probably not doing well. We don't hope that anybody gets sick and I don't want to over glaze over it like, oh, yeah, it's just about political implications. But it is probably part of the calculus as to why this letter is being written right now. Then again, maybe I'm just thinking a little bit far into it, but that's what I first thought or second thought after I read it. And I was like, oh, shoot, okay, we may have another coronavirus coming this way. But there's also implications about the World Health Organization or the WHO. Quote, the letter notes that the World Health Organization has requested, quote, detailed information about the unknown illness from Chinese communist regime. However, quote, the CCP has an incentive to lie, just as they did throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, and any new pathogen could derail its efforts to stimulate its economy. Quote, we should not wait for the WHO to take action, given its track record of slavish difference to the CCP. We must take the necessary steps to protect the health of Americans and our economy, the letter says. Quote, that means we should immediately restrict travel between the United States and the PRC until we know more about the dangers posed by this new illness. A ban on travel would now could save our country from death, lockdowns, mandates, and further outbreaks later. And once again, I feel like they're making a pretty straightforward argument here. They're laying it out. And it does sound like they're motivated by a little bit of fear, but also protecting people's liberties. But the thing is, which I think is really interesting, is they say, oh, it can protect us from lockdowns. No, no. 
not having the disease in the country should not be the protection from lockdowns. Even if the disease is in the country, lockdowns should not be acceptable because it is the basic freedom and liberty of the people. And the fact that they're possibly moving on this, or at least phrasing it this way, does scare me just just a little, little teensy little bit. Uh, not that I, I tr- don't trust politicians, but um, I, I don't trust politicians. So it's going to be interesting one coming up. Watch out for this story. I always say this with the last story. It's because I don't want to necessarily go into a crazy amount of detail. These are kind of more headline stories, you know, small things that are happening in the United States or small things that are happening overseas or even big things, but they, there's not a whole thing developing. Keep your eye out for this story. See how it develops, not just about the letter, but it's also to bring to your attention this possible possible illness. I did a segment a long time ago about a uh, outbreak or a small outbreak in, uh, I believe it was Brazil or Argentina, of a virus that was uh, even worse than COVID. Nothing ever really came of it, so I'm happy that's the case, and I hope that's the exact same case with this one. But keep your eyes peeled for stories and news about it. So now that we're past the doom and gloom, the dread of something else like COVID coming our way, uh, let's go to our daily delight. And this one comes from Parade Pets. Many cows explore big barn filled with horses is wooing the hearts of many. So, you know, uh, a new environment, it can be stressful. It can be a little bit weird when you jump into that. And even for our little mini cow friends, they felt the exact same way when they were coming in to this new barn. Quote, TikTok user Katie Van Slick, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, ma'am, tells us it was time for these lovely ladies to explore the barn. They only have a few, they only have to follow one rule. No doo-dooing on the concrete floor. I'm sure that was easier said than done. Uh, and, you know, the names of these two little ladies are Pumpkin and Posey. They're mini cows. Uh, so, no, they're not going to be full-size cows, but they have these cute little coats on. Honestly, go watch the video. Uh, quote, initially hesitant, they asked to go outside instead of entering. After some reassurance, Posey musters Posey, musters the courage to enter the barn. Pumpkin soon follows behind, exiting the stall with the most adorable little hop, end quote. And yes, it was a cute little hop. It's interesting because Posey is obviously the more adventurous. You know, she's going through and then Pumpkin's kind of sliding behind her like, oh, what's going on over here? You know, she kind of needs a leader to take her to different places across the barn. But they they both seem excited. They kind of stayed away from the horses from a little bit. But if you want to read or see uh, any, actually, if you want to see the videos from this article or read any of the other articles from today's podcast, you can find the link in the description below that like and subscribe button. Uh, All of them are down there. Go give them a read, especially the one about the virus coming out of China. And if you want to find the podcast on any other platforms, such as Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Podvine, all those links are also down there in the description. And also the link to the Twitter at Your Daily Flip, where I post a Twitter tirade every Tuesday and Thursday, a little bit less formal, less quotes, just kind of off the top of the head or uh, some thoughts that come from the books I'm reading. You can find that there. With all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.